Is this thing on? back everyone to another episode of the summits podcast thank you for joining us today whether you are listening in wherever you get your podcasts or joining us on the heroes foundation youtube channel we appreciate you so thank you for coming in today uh, very powerful episode today folks um, pretty excited about this one uh, a little bit change of pace but i think you guys will feel the impact uh, once we are are through this um would like to welcome Mr. Marshall Morris to the Summits Podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate Thanks it. For being here. Appreciate you guys. Um, Marshall, why don't you do everyone a favor, just kind of introduce yourself, give a little background history on where you grew up, where you're from, and what you've done. So grew up in uh, New England, yeah, upside, you know, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Kittery, Maine area. Does that uh, mean you're a Patriots fan? I was all my life, yes. Was? Even when they were terrible. Well, so you, you know, say was now. Well, all my life, you know, <laughs> you, you, you start to realize, like, I may not make another football season. So yeah. you say was because, you know, you yeah. know I'm almost a past tense. Yeah. And, um, you know, grew up up there, you know, Italian and English kid. So, you know, got the Italian side, mom, the Catholic church upbringing and that whole thing. And then dad, the Protestant side. And it's like, you know, you just choose whatever works for you that week, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, this is going to work this week. I'm going to do some Hail Marys and I'm all good, you know? <laughs> so I uh, grew up, you know, typical kid, football, all that stuff. Joined the military, went into the military, um, saw combat down in Panama when we got Noriega out uh, okay. over in the first Gulf War. And Which branch were you in? Army. Army. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, just I love, uh, I love our soldiers. I'm a very patriotic person. And it's just something that's been instilled in me a long, long time. So, you know, did your whole thing, Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, all that stuff all the way up. So you just kind of grow and develop. Um, after that, you know, got out of the military, got into the car business, uh, did very successful in the car business, ran a bunch of stores over the years, ended up here, partnered with Bob Oakley, made them the second chance superstore years ago as Oak Motors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sold partnerships with him out and continued to run other stores locally with Fernando Falcon, Champion, and a bunch of other stores. Okay. And decided to step out on my own after, you know, years and doing um, that. I went out to and created Amp Marketing, which was a marketing company that did super sales, event marketing all over the United States. Um, we were the first to do events in, in Alaska. Okay. So a lot of fun. You know, you just get to meet a lot of different people and, sure. and go across the United States. And then took that and just... Went into a little bit more, you know, record label, Amp Entertainment. Um, we had Blessed Union of Souls, Flynnville Train, um, Girl Out of Barbados named Melissa Alana. So a lot of fun stuff. Got a lot of chance to meet a lot of people throughout the years. And a uh, couple uh, medical spas that we did. You know, you renewed medical centers and then the modern rejuvenation centers. And and my properties company, Protestus Group, which basically has helped me do everything I'm doing today with, uh, with my foundation. So... Awesome. awesome. So, yeah, varied uh, work life, <laughs> yes. but uh, certainly exciting nonetheless. Regardless, a lot of fun. You'd like um, sometimes this is, this is one of my Achilles heels. Do you like having multiple balls in the air? I do. Doing different stuff. I do. I just um, if it doesn't feel like I'm having a chaotic day, then I don't feel like <laughs> I'm getting anything done. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. you know, it has to be chaos. Yeah. You know, controlled chaos, but chaos. Well, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Of 
the different businesses you just mentioned, and they're and they run the spectrum. They're not all in one. Yeah. No, it's quite, one it's quite the se. range. Yeah. What? Yeah. So as entrepreneurs, what uh, what made you decide to do different ones? I mean, there's something sparked an idea, I would assume. Okay. And I guess here's a loaded question: any particular one that you preferred over the others? So the marketing company was easy for me, right? Okay. That was just a given. Um, it's basically doing event sales for the car business okay. all over the country. So if you can imagine taking a used car salesman, mixing him with a carny, right? <laughs> That's what you're taking all over the United States and you're okay. starting to try to keep these guys under control, right? Like yeah. you want them to live the best possible life without affecting everybody else's life that week. Sure. And so, you know, I was big brother to everybody. Yeah. You know, I'd pay for their hotel rooms so I could actually go in and monitor the hotel rooms, yeah. you know, make sure that there was nothing bad in the rooms and took yeah. care of these guys, uh -huh. um, kept them out of trouble, you know, a week at a time. And, um, then a friend of mine approached me and said, Hey, you're great at marketing, Marshall. Could you help this band? And I'm like, okay, I'm not, never been in this business, but Hey, let's give it a shot. You know, I need yeah. a tax write off anyway. So <laughs> here we go. And, uh, got the opportunity to, um, buy back their music from Toby Keith. They've been on Toby's label. Okay. And uh, everybody was like, they wanted 400,000 for this music. And I'm like, and are you crazy? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you shelved these guys. <laughs> so we walk into this meeting and uh, I'll never forget it. It was just me and my attorney, six attorneys and, and, and Toby at the end of the table. And Toby had just come out with this article where he was the $600 million man, mm. okay? okay? And I'm like, Toby, 600 million? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I remember the $6 million man when I was a kid. I'm like, you're the $600 million man. He's like, yeah, and he's getting all chest puffed out yeah. and feeling great. I'm like, my goodness, you must need some tax write-offs. And he's just like, huh, all the time. And I said, what if we just do this at 10% of the value, you write off the other 90% is bad debt. And he's like, that's a great idea. You know, he got up, shook my hand. That was it. His attorney's like, no, we can get more money. And the like, attorney's were like, damn. Yeah. So it was a great, you know, and so that was my, all of a sudden I'm in the record industry. I'm like, well, what do we do? You know, and the friend, the boys had uh, from Flintville had friends with Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters, the head of the Kentucky Headhunters. Their son is Blackstone Cherry. He's an eight time Grammy award winning artist. He comes in. He's like, I like this guy. He's going to help you guys out a lot. And he, taught me the ropes, you know, and he took me around uh, Nashville, introduced me to a bunch of different people from a bunch of the old guys, like the Mavericks and stuff like that from the old days. And just Raul was signing with big machine at the time and re coming back out. And I was like, I got a chance to go and see all of this and be involved in all of it. And I was like, this is a really neat thing. I didn't realize that, Hey, everybody thinks the car business is bad. You know, <laughs> let me tell you the industry, the entertainment industry, terrible. They'll look you right in the eye and they will lie right to your face, you know, and, uh, and you'll feel like they just told you the best thing in the world. And, um, but I learned a lot, you know, met a lot of really interesting people. It'd be the one business I would tell anybody, if you don't want to lose a lot of money, don't go into it. Right? <laughs> right. So it was a great tax write off for me. And then the, the, uh, the medical spas, I just got, uh, it was, it was a great market. It just seemed like it was a fine, uh, fun time. And, so we were doing Botox and fillers and hormones and the laser lipos. And I was seeing all these Groupons at the time. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. We should be able to go do this. So I bought a Groupon, went and checked it out. And I said, oh, this is easy. We can do this better. 
you know, <laughs> just make it seem more, you know, intensive. So I took all these lasers that these big companies in the United States are trying to sell you for 60, 75, $80,000. And I took them to Alibaba and I sent them over to China, all the specs. And I started having the same ones made for 1500 bucks, you know, changing them out every year, brand new technology, you know, $1,500 to buy a $75,000 laser that they're trying to sell you in the United States. So I was just like, look, come on, we're getting the same results. We're getting the exact same, you know, specs out of this. You know, yeah, by year, you know, one year in, you're, it's time to get rid of this. Mm. And so that's what it was for us. You know, we, we do that. It was a lot of fun, but just like anything, you know, the first ship to sink is a partnership, right? So, you know, you can't babysit everybody. And so you get partners sometimes that want to go down a different path. And, you know, maybe this cash didn't really come in today. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. I was like, you know what? I can't babysit you. I can't trust you. It's time to go. You know, so I sold that to my partners uh, uh, two years ago now, and things have been great. I mean, fantastic. Um, so that I love being an entrepreneur. It's, you know, if you, I realized it takes money to make money. Sure. You know, you can have all these great ideas when you're younger, but if you don't have the money to back you, you're never going to get anywhere. And, and that's something that as I started making money with, with Amp, uh, marketing, I realized, let me do stuff with this. Let me do some of those ideas that I didn't get a chance to do before. And that's where it was great. Yeah. So I love it. Well, cool. Um, obviously, uh, if you guys aren't aware, March is bile duct cancer awareness month. Uh, and, and with that, Marshall, what is your cancer story? So my cancer story, um, well, simple as this, you know, stage four, currently intrahaptic, uh, cholangiocarcinoma, which is bile duct cancer. And um, found this out uh, late July, early August of last year. You know, thought I was in really good shape. You know, I just uh, leaned out for the summer and uh, he was trying to cut pretty nicely. And, and all of a sudden I dropped 38 pounds in a matter of 36 days. And I'm like, okay, something's not right here. Like, Hey, I did a great diet and you know, my supplements are all doing well, but they're not, they shouldn't be doing this well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was down to about two, 212. Usually like to be in the 228, 230 range for the summer. Uh, I usually carry about 236, 238, you know, normally. Um, and I was like, okay, something's not right. I was doing, dealing with some itching. I'm like, maybe I got into something, you know, poison ivy, whatever. I'm looking at my yeah. skin and I had this crazy itching. And I mean, an itching so bad that you would, it would keep you up at night. Um, you'd get an hour to three hours a night asleep. Yeah. And you'd be, you know, those back scratchers. I, I was ordering them by the dozen because they were breaking. It was just, <laughs> you couldn't get hard enough. And had you I, had like poison ivy and, or things like that? I've had in the past, like, yes. Yeah, trying so. to compare it to that. And it was like, it know, was just, poison ivy times 10, but like if it was on the inside of the skin. Yeah. So it, it was, was like just no everywhere. Soothing it kind of thing. No, right? like you could soothe it with a very hot shower, mm -hmm. but when you got out and the pores opened, oh, it was like ten times worse. Okay. So, um, it was crazy, and so I, I decided, let me go to the VA, get this checked out, and uh, they did some tests, and in a matter of two days, they sent me to a liver specialist and old guy up in Marion. I mean, he looked at my just he just looked at my charts. He says. I don't even need to look at this any further. He says it's seventy percent chance cancer. You're gonna I'm gonna send you down to Indianapolis for an ERCP right now. 
you know, that's fun when they go down your throat all the way through and come back up and check stuff out. And I'm like, okay. And uh, got that the next day. And it was like uh, stage four. And they're like, hey, guess what? Stage four, this is what it looks like. We can get, We can take it out. I'm like, great, let's do that. So the next four weeks, we were preparing for all the surgery, mm-hmm. right? We get everything done, all the tests done that they needed done. And I walk in day of surgery, doc walks in head down. I'm like, hey doc, we're not doing it today, are you? And he's like, is it that easy to tell? I'm like, <laughs> doc, you're a real easy read, you know? And he's like, yeah, we misread all the photos. I'm like, what? Yeah, all the scans are misread. This is wrapped around your portal vein. There's too much vascular interference. We cannot do. Now the portal vein is the only vein that feeds your liver. So mine had basically a beehive around it at where the, the bile ducts come up and split. So we're only talking a few inches of room between my pancreas and this whole area with my cancer sitting. So, and you know, Steve Jobs with all his money couldn't fix pancreatic. So I was like, okay, what's next step guys? You know, not upset, not mad. Like doc, what's next? We're going to fast track you for a liver transplant. I'm like, fast track me. How the heck do we fast track a liver transplant? So I'm starting to investigate liver transplants now after they tell you this, I'm like, say, I'll do it. I don't know whatever's next. So the next six weeks we're prepping for this and, uh, five years is the average life expectancy of a liver transplant. Okay. Okay. Two years recovery time. I'm thinking, okay, so three, cause I'm always been a quality of life, not a quantity of it person. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to lay in a bed and die. I want to be that guy that goes out and just lives till he dies. Right. Because that's what life is, is living, you know? And, uh, so we start doing the six weeks and doing all these crazy things like they're like, you can have no loose uh, crowns. You can't have any impacted molars, no, uh, anything that could cause a infection has to be gone. So they go in and they took out 11 teeth, like all the backs, all the, anything that was impacted, wisdom teeth, everything at one time. Four days later, they come back to me and go, Hey, guess what? I'm like, what? You no longer qualify because your cancer spread too far for a liver transplant. We didn't need to take your teeth. We're sorry. It's okay. I'm like, wow. wow. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I'm like, what's next? You know, what's the biggest, you know, what are we going to do now? You know, and I'm staying positive through all this because for some reason I haven't had one sad day in all this, you know, God's graced me with this wonderful gift of the ability to be strong for whatever reason. So they're like, we're going to max out your chemo we're gonna we haven't had a patient that's in this good a shape in this long so we're gonna take you to the maximum levels of what we could do so they put me on five different chemo drugs at one time the maximum dosages and like you i went through my hair in a week yeah second session it was all gone and i'm like and Take an Italian kid that grew up with a nice head of hair. That's like, you know, Samson's hair being gone. I was like, I felt like I was like, oh boy, it's all gone now. I lived in hats. That's all I did. Hats and beanies. And, um, you know, I did their whole cycle. Um, the first whole cycle of, of chemo. And I, I sat down with my docs and I said, okay, what we got? Well, it's not going to cure it. I'm like, okay, is there any cure to it? And they're like, no. So anything else is maintenance. I'm like, okay, we're done with chemo. 
chemo would put poison in the body for no reason. I was in the hospital seven to 10 days out of every month while I was on chemo. Because uh, you have no immune system. You're basically trapped at home or you're trapped in the you know, in a hospital bed. You know, I'm watching. And this this started, when was, so, when was the date? So we started our treatment, you know, August 1st of last year. Okay. So they, they're going through this whole thing and we're coming into, you know, November now is finishing up. Yeah. And uh, my PET scan in the beginning of December is, hey, we haven't seen a whole lot of growth in this. We're going to try one other thing. We're going to do a radial ablation. I'm like a radio ablation. What sounds cool? Let's do it. What it if it's a chance to do something? They slow it down. Sure. Now every two months they got to go in and put stints in my bile ducts. Okay. okay, open them back up. So this is another ERCP. Go down, put these stints in, and um, this is going on every two months. So this early December, put new stints in. I already had them done in September, December. Just had them done again. Um, you know, so it's fun, right? Yeah. You know, you're out yeah. for a little bit, you come back and like, hey doc, you know, I feel like your hands are all over my body, you know? <laughs> like, you know, just mess with them a little bit. And yeah. uh, doc's like, no, no they weren't. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know? So you just, it's just trying to have fun. Yeah. Well, the doc says, hey, we're gonna do this radio ablation. They burn the tumor. They go in, they burn it, yeah. you know, and then they scrape it out. Well, when they did so, they ended up scraping this and seeding my bloodstream with two different bacterias. And so I ended up with sepsis, 105.9 temperature, I'm sitting at home. And I'm like, that's fine, just put me in, give me a good cold compress, I'll be all right. You know, he's like, you're 105.9. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I'm I'll still- sleep it off. Yeah, I'll yeah. be fine. No, so they dragged me into the hospital, I ended up in intensive care for a week, getting rid of that, and um, they did another scan just to check. Three weeks after the previous one, they said there was really no growth from August to December, no real growth, small. Well, it went, not only had they seeded my bloodstream, but they seeded my whole liver with the cancer. So in three weeks, they'd gone across my liver. And I'm like, well, I guess that didn't work. You know, like, what's our next step, right? Yeah. And so they're like, radiation. So we're gonna radiation. So they do, uh, January was radiation month for me, and they did a um, seven-day process of radiation. Um, then that maxes you out, you know, especially where you're cooking the liver. So I was coming in with onions every time I do my liver, you know, uh, radiation. They're like, "Will you stop?" I'm like, "Come on, <laughs> butter smells in here, you know, liver and onions. Come on, guys, this would be great, you know." And they're like. <laughs> you're being so playful. I'm like, yeah, well, what do you expect me to do it? You know, I'm like, I'm being put on a rotisserie. Let me at least have some fun with it. And uh, so we did that. Didn't really have any ill effects from my, my, uh, my radiation. Um, things are looking really good. The next PET scan's on the 23rd. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, been taking a, uh, some alternative stuff that's out there on the Fabendazole, which is a, you know, I hate to say it, dog deworming medicine, but it, it's working because I have no worms. Um, so, you know, things are, <laughs> yeah, things are going well, right? And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next uh, PET scan because it'll tell me where we're at, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, according to docs and everything, I'm down to 122 days, supposedly to my, you know, my timeline, you okay. know? So yeah, the January, um, is is that number something that 
you know, it's just updating every time you go in, you're getting a new number each time. And how is that? January, they said six months, January 8th. And um, for me, I was like, okay, you know, of course that's their best guess based on terminal, you know, looking at the size of the tumor, tumor Mm -hmm. growth, you know, where it's at and what mine is. So if you can imagine all your plumbing inside your liver, just filling up with cancer, and once that plumbing is completely filled, your liver stops working, functioning, can't live without a liver. So yeah. they're basing it based on an estimated timeline. Okay. May I, you know, I look at it as, hey, it is what it is. You know, there's nothing I can change about it. So let me look at it as a positive and let me see, hey, let's make sure that I have all the stuff done that I need to have done before I go, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's what I've been working on. And then, you know, when I got this, in all, you know, August, I was like, let me help other people. So I started a charity in August called Dying Defiantly to help other people with terminal illnesses. And that's kind of kept me busy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and trying to, to do some other things out there before I go and not just focus on what I call inventorying my life, you know, which is what you do with all your stuff. You're like, okay, it's time to inventory my life. And, you know, and I hid behind that at first, you know, like maybe I'll just you know, leave it all and not take care of any of it, you know, just put it into a trust and let it all manage itself. And you start to realize like, wait, that's not fair to the people you're going to leave behind because they have to take care of properties and they got to take care of all this stuff. And mm-hmm. let me take care of some of that stuff before I go. And that's what we've been working on lately. So, yeah. So let's talk about dying yeah. defiantly. Um, we obviously know why you started it, mm-hmm. um, but tell us about it. What, what, uh, what, what is the, the mission, if you will? The mission is, I wanted to share a little bit of, of what, whatever God gave me is a strength. And, and, I, and I use God, you know, because I talk about the three core values of what this is all about. It's a strong mind, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're only as sick as you allow yourself to be every day, right? You choose to either get up out of that bed or you don't, all right? Every day. Strong body, right? Keep yourself working out. Something minor, doesn't even, if, even if you're bedridden, you can still put bands at the end of your bed. You can still work out. You can do some kind of movement to keep yourself active. Yeah. Okay. And then a strong faith, right? Whatever your faith might be. If you believe there's something out there, a great energy, whatever, if you think it's God, whatever that person's faith is, that's what it's all about, right? Have faith in something, something that's bigger than yourself, right? That you can truly make an impact in somebody's life. And that's what I wanted to do. We wanted to make the impact in somebody's life before I went. Mm -hmm. I wanted people that I was reading these support groups every day. And I'm like, these people are so sad. They're, they're sad because they're dying. Well, we get the chance to say goodbye. We get that opportunity to do the things that the people that just, I had a friend two days ago, have a heart attack, gone, 46 years old, has a 13 year old son, gone in an instant. He wasn't thinking he's gonna die. He didn't have time to say goodbye to anyone. He didn't have time to make sure his family was taken care of properly. You know, if I realized, you know, what I do now, when I was younger, there's some things I probably would have done differently, you know? And, uh, but hindsight's 2020, right? right yeah. And um, so I'm in a great place and I'm happy about that, right? And my mission is, is to make sure I can be that light for somebody else until they can be their own light. Or maybe I'm that voice of reason when there doesn't seem to be a reason, right? Or that ear that's listening when you don't think anyone is. And that's kind of what we're trying to do right now. 
Yeah. So what what do you hope? Um, do you have a, do you have like a long term strategy for for this? Uh, that sounds. I do. I, I try not to say that. You know, I'm trying to pick my words well. But do, do you have a, a strategy for this um, when you're gone? We do. Um, and that's what we're working a lot with right now. Um, some other partners are helping me come together and figure out where do we go from here? Okay. Once you're gone, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, my daughter will have some drive to it. Um, some dear friends, the people that are close to me right now, they'll all have some desire to do this. But I'm putting, you know, a little bit of money away for it to help it run, you yeah. know, long term because. I think everybody thinks that, you know, charities just get all these funding and, you know, you know, we don't, right? Right. Everything takes work to make it happen. And so, you know, I'm out here doing everything I possibly can. And uh, I'll leave a nice little endowment to make sure it can run for, you know, at least three to five years past my time. And, you know, we're making sure that the bylaws uh, are all there that make sure that people aren't just coming in and just taking money out of this foundation and using it for whatever they want that it's used to help people with end of life counseling, family counseling, bereavement counseling for the people that are left behind, you know, which we're seeing a very high rate of uh, suicide up to 46% of the survivors now are starting to, to kill themselves because they feel they have no purpose. Their purpose has gone on and maybe it's time for them to join them, you know? And so we're doing that. We do free legal with uh, laws uh, for, for trusts, and um and uh wills and uh you know some states are limited and we you know because we we don't have that full coverage yet but we're working on it and uh, a lot of people have been helping out uh resounding joy just recently came in and, and said hey we want to help with musical therapy for some of these people that are in the bereavement stage and that helps tremendously because we're already at a max capacity with what we currently can do and mm-hmm. i'm starting to get people from these groups from all over the world, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Germany. And I'm like, uh, let me see if I can find somebody in that area to help. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it's so hard and there's so many people and you can only do so much. And I want to try to help everyone. You know, I don't, we don't turn anyone away. So some days I'm, I'm up late trying to figure out, okay, how can I help this person tonight? How right. can I, you know, and we're doing, we, we're doing 20 to 30 minute sessions now just because to try to maximize people's time and, and, you know, counselors are giving us this pro bono. So it's, these people are, they're listening to all these poor stories and it's like, you know, if you're an empath or something along these guys, boy, they're taking that pain inside and it hurts. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the services that you guys provide. Um, all these services, so you just mentioned the counselors are basically donating their time and their yes. services to this. Same with the attorneys and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, have you looked at, like, who, is there like an executive director that's going to take over or run, run the day-to-day? Yeah, that's what we're working on right now. Okay. I'm not sure if it's going to be my daughter or my significant other at the moment, which would be okay. Angela Horner. And uh, so someone will actually, they know how I want, would want things done, Sure. right? And then, you know, synergize here has been a great help and they're helping me try to put together the board of directors of people that are actually care about the same mission and they want to do some things. Uh, 
some other gentlemen that I've met, uh, David Craner and, and a few other gentlemen, we've been talking about um, working in a process of helping people visualize taking these things out. Um, like, you know, you've heard of people, I, I visualized that I was playing a video game and I would take my own cancer out that way every night. Me, I visualize as I go to bed, you know, God's hand wiping through my, my cancer in my liver every night as I say a prayer. And, um, you know, I try to visualize that. So we're trying to take that into a point where, I don't remember, you're more my age, maybe you might remember the movie Fantastic Voyage where they, oh, this medical crew went into this little ship and they shrunk it down and they put it inside the body and the body would fight it with this white blood cells and all that stuff, but they went to this one point to get this blood clot that was gonna kill this patient. And so we're working on a VR where somebody can come in, see themselves, shrunk down and go through the mouth of their own body, right? And they can go in and they can attack their clogged arteries, their cancer, whatever they have, and just to help visualize it mentally for themselves because the mind is a very powerful tool. Uh, we all know that cancer puts up roadblocks mm -hmm. and we doesn't allow us through. That's where immunology comes in. Um, and, you know, so these roadblocks are there. What if you start to break those roadblocks down with your mind? Now, they've got some, I'm gonna try when I get back here on, on March uh, 30th, some, a new drug that came out of the Topaz One clinical trials that allows that those roadblocks to be broken down. So our own immune system can get back and attack the cancer the way it should. So we're looking forward to that. Now, the PET scan is gonna tell a lot, right? We're gonna see if I can, yeah. if any of this mental <laughs> stuff, any of this uh, Fenben, these alternative stuff that I've been doing will help, right? Has it has it accomplished anything? And even if it doesn't cure me, if it if it, it's a path to help somebody else, say, oh, hey, that helped a little bit here, or you know, if we did a clinical trial and it helped somebody else down the road, I'm all good with that. Look, God will choose to heal me through medicine Himself, or He won't choose to heal me at all, and I'm okay with every one of those things. Yeah. I've never had a sad day, and I don't plan on having one. You know, it's okay. Cancer happens. It won't define me. Yeah. Well, yeah, your attitude is is pretty remarkable. Um, we, we talk about attitude a lot on here, and mm -hmm. and and there's there's no question, <clears throat> excuse me, no question that people's attitudes when they go through this process are a little bit different. Every, <clears throat> everyone's different, um, but attitude is very important in in, in taking on the battle. Um, and, and yours is 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 pretty remarkable uh, considering the uh, the circumstance that you're in. Yeah. Um, it's. <clears throat> I, I admire it for sure. I, I don't know if I'd have the, the same ability, uh, but it's, it, it's, it says a lot about you for sure. Well, you know, I think attitude is everything, right? We choose, no matter what happens in our lives, we choose to let things affect us either positively or negatively. It's our choice. Yeah. Like well, even when I was at the hospital and I could get out of my bed, the nurses were getting mad at me. They're like, hey, stop, you know what? You go back to your bedroom. Like, cause I was popping in, I'm like, hey, what you in for? You know, <laughs> you know, like I got cancer. I'm like, yeah, me too. What do you got? You know, and uh, to me, a little bit of humor, right? Because, and so, just have some timeline. Just laugh, laugh a little bit, man. Right. You know, this is so serious. Mm -hmm. Or you sit down when you listen to the doctors talking to some of the other patients, and they're like, they don't know what you just said. You just named off three drugs. They don't know what those drugs are. This is an old soldier. Why don't you tell them like, hey, this is what your enemy's encampment looks like right now. It's shielded with this. Now this this drug here, this is a two, two, three round. 
okay? This drug is a 50 caliber armor piercing round. It's going to get through that shield. It's going to help to break this thing down. If you put it into a perspective and you start talking to these people in a level that they can understand, they'll understand what they're going through and then, then everything's easy. You know, and they're not all, like, the doctors told me all this stuff, and I was like, mm -hmm, okay, that sounds great. You know, I went home, did my research, understood everything, and then the next time I came in, I knew everything they were talking about, and then so. Like, what about this? Have you looked at this? Have you looked at this clinical trial yet? Have you looked at this drug that's being done over in Europe? Have you? And they're like, okay, somebody's been researching. I'm like, of course. Did you think <laughs> I was going to sit idly by? I'm like, I probably spent way too many time, hours researching no. because there's might be. What if we just missed something, right? Now, I don't sit here and, and hope for a miracle to happen, right? I'm very, very logical about everything. Hey, if it does, I'll be happy. But if it doesn't, guess what? When you know where you're going, yeah. dying makes it is so much easier because you realize death is not just being gone. It's actually living life, you know, eternal. And so for me, I'm very happy with that, right? You know, God, I'll be up there looking down on everybody else going, Boy, I missed that show. Boy, you know, like, <laughs> thank God I'd have to stick around for that. You know, I mean, there's some craziness in this world today. Yeah, so that's for sure. You know. Well, thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. We really yeah. appreciate that. Um, hopefully, that uh, the attitude that you've got certainly will rub off on us and rub off yep. on uh, all those listening and, and watching today. Um, any any parting words of wisdom for uh, for anyone who's maybe in a similar circumstance? Yes, love everyone you meet. Forgive everyone that ever hurt you and live every day like you're dying because it's truly no promise of tomorrow, okay? I promise you this. Don't put off saying, oh, I'll do this when I feel a little bit better. There's yeah. not going to be a little bit better, okay? Just do it today. Go do what you want to do today because you're not going to get that opportunity. And if you put it off, you're never going to do it. Yeah. Well said. Any questions for us? <sighs> you know... I know you went through your own situation sure. and, uh, you know, obviously something good came out of this, right? Cause we're sitting as a product of that today. Right. You know, how has it changed you? Yeah, that's a, a loaded question. Um, I think the, the easy, well, I'll call it the easy answer. That's very hard to live up to, but so easy to say is it changes your perspective of things you, know, you try to try to appreciate the little things. And my wife would probably give me an eye roll if I just, she heard me say that, but <laughs> you, know, you, you do, it, it doesn't happen as often as it probably should, or as mm -hmm. often as we would like. Uh, but there's no question that, uh, uh, it, it certainly gives you a different perspective on things. Um, and we all have our moments, you know, for sure. But I think that's the biggest thing. And it kind of goes along with what you just said is, you know, don't, don't put things off. You know, I, I've got a second chance right now. It doesn't mean that uh, I'm going to live to see 90. I mean, no one knows that it could, something else could happen tomorrow or whatever, but, um, yeah, I just don't put things off. Like you said, and, and appreciate the little things. That's probably the, the, the biggest thing for me. And, and I know it's again, easier said than done, but it's true. Well, you should be commended on what you're doing, man. I think it's a, it's a phenomenal loss, you know, what you guys do and, and you're, you're, you're taking something, you know, that, that really you got hit with, right. It's a, it's a it's a punch to the gut. I don't care how you want to look at it. Right. And uh, you took it and you built this out of it. And you know what a wonderful wonderful legacy for you. And uh, I just hope I get that that chance. You know before I go is to be to have a little bit of a legacy that will continue on long past my time. You know and 
I'm so blessed to have been, you know, a part of you guys today. And thank you so much for having me in. I, I can't even thank you so much. Well, no, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And I'd say you're certainly on your way. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would guess that we both have a common trait of one just wanting to do something, not wanting to just receive the news and and kind of live idly by that. We want to channel the energy that we're feeling in, into something, and and uh, so that's that's what we're doing. And um, I certainly commend you for that. And we appreciate you for uh, being here and sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Appreciate you. you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, guys. And thanks to all of you guys for listening and watching in today. Again, if you happen to be watching through the Heroes YouTube channel and you haven't liked or subscribed, please do so. Um, also, leave a comment. Leave a comment for Marshall. Let him know how, how you felt about this episode and any other, uh, any other words you'd like to leave with him. Um, we appreciate you once again and beat cancer.